Welcome to the JM Sports and Wrestling Podcast, where you will hear the latest in wrestling and sports. So let's get started. All right, so I got some breaking news as I'm coming on here at 1031 Eastern. Manny Machado, I think the All-Star game is still on, by the way. Manny Machado is going to the Dodgers. A deal between LA and Baltimore has been worked out. And as of right now, apparently the last thing that's holding it up, according to Ken Rosenthal of Fox Sports, is what exactly Baltimore is getting in return and exactly, you know, where Machado is going to fit in for the Dodgers. But as of right now, the deal is done. They've pretty much dotted the I's and crossed the T's, 99.9% done. So Machado now going to the Dodgers definitely changes the balance of power in the National League. Um, the Dodgers are in first place in the National League West. And... We're just going to have to see what happens as far as what kind of, you know, compensation Baltimore gets because Machado's a free agent at the end of the year. He could easily leave L.A. And, and I'll be curious to know what L.A. gave up for him as well. How far into their strong farm system did they have to dig to make this deal happen? Machado's a rental. The only thing I could see happening is that the Dodgers got some sort of guarantee that Machado would resign. I'm going to say that's bull. I don't think Machado gave them any indication that he would resign. He's, a, he's an unrestricted free agent. He'll be commanding over $300 million in free agency. I don't think the Dodgers are going to go that high. Machado has always talked about wanting to be a Yankee. Even though I see this is a good deal for L.A. right now, depending on what they gave up, it could potentially become a bad deal if they gave up a lot. And if I'm Baltimore, if you got a lot, then you won this trade. If you got a lot of the Dodgers' top prospects in their farm system, you've won this trade. So it will be interesting when they finally you know, say who... The Dodgers, you know, gave up. But here is the report from Ken Rosenthal, Fox Sports. I can report with more certainty Machado to the hashtag Dodgers is happening. Among remaining questions, in addition to specifics of return, beyond outfielder Unesso Diaz, how much money, if any, the Orioles will send the Dodgers to secure a better package and help ease the Dodgers' luxury tax concerns. That's right, because the Dodgers are over the luxury tax. And so taking on Machado puts them further into it. Now, if Baltimore says, here, we'll send you over $20 million to help ease that, that definitely helps out, you know, in the deal. So as of right now, I don't know if they pulled, if they have pulled Machado or not in the All-Star game because he's now an NL member. He's no longer an AL member, so we'll definitely see what happens with that. I'm glad that this happened. I'm glad he's coming to the National League. I'm glad he's not going to Milwaukee. I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, and I was petrified that if Milwaukee somehow was able to secure a deal for Manny Machado, that would have potentially put Milwaukee over the top in the National League Central, and it would have made them, in my mind, a contender in the National League. Don't give up on that, though. 
Milwaukee still got has some good pieces. They'll probably make some trades and try to solidify, you know, their team. We have the trade deadline, July 31st. We are closing in, what, two weeks from today is when is when the deadline happens. So we'll be definitely seeing a lot more moves and shakeups for teams. I you know, I'm seeing I'm thinking the Cubs are gonna go after a starting pitcher who I who I'm not sure yet. I keep thinking about it and I can't think exactly who they could go after. I'll have to give that some thought and then I will bring back some more and I will analyze that as we get closer to the trade deadline. Because you Darvish is hurt. He'll be back in August, apparently. And, you know, Tyler Chatworth just, he's just not working out. He's walking way too many batters. He's, you know, allowing way too many hits. The Cubs' offense is set. Baez, Contreras, Bryant, Rizzo, Hap. All those guys are ready, and they'll make a strong push in the second half. The bullpen is set. The Cubs just need a starting pitcher. If I were the Cubs, I would go all in on Jake the on Jacob Degrom, the Mets ace. I get it that you're going to have to give up most likely a King's ransom, but he's the he's the type of guy who can take you over the top. He has a one point six one ERA, tied with Doc Gooden, of the lowest ERA at the All Star break. DeGrom is a difference maker. And if you want to compete for a World Series, you need an ace. You need somebody that you can put out there with John Lester, who's holding it down. You need somebody you can put out there with Hendricks. You get Jacob DeGrom, then that changes the power in the NL. Because then the Cubs will have everything that you need. A great offense, great bullpen. Their defense is stellar. Best in baseball. And then they would have that final piece, that ace that you put with Lester that could, you know, you got Lester, I'm sorry, you would get the Grom, Lester, and Hendricks as your one, two, three. Those guys in a short series, you know, in the wild card, or I would take that. Or even, you know, in the divisional series, you could bring back a guy like the Grom on short rest. Those three guys there are stellar. Lester's won three rings. I think he's won. I think he's got four now. So he knows how to win. Hendricks has a World Series. Those guys can help the Grom show him how to win. That's who the Cubs need to target. Go after the Grom. I get it. You're going to pay a hefty price because he's that good. But if you want to be in the conversation for a World Series, you have to solidify your starting pitching. And that's what the Cubs need to do. That's who the Cubs need to go after. I mean, same with the Dodgers. I would say the Dodgers would have to do the same thing. But after this Machado deal, I can't see them going after DeGrom. So again, the breaking news, Manny Machado to the Dodgers is all but done. They're just working out the final kinks. It's 99.9% done. And that's it. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Smackdown. What an ending. Randy Orton, his heel turn finally complete. You saw the tease of it at Extreme Rules when he stomped Hardy, you know, below the belt and then left. But tonight, he cost Hardy the United States Championship 
and then he literally went on to beat the living tar out of him. The old Randy. The Randy Orton who, you know, heard voices and just... That's the Randy we haven't seen in years. The last time Orton was a heel, he was a cowardly heel. This Randy Orton kind of reminds me of the late, you know, 2000s Randy. You know, when he just was ruthless and would kick your head off. I hope this Randy Orton stays because this is the, the Randy Orton we need. This is the type of excitement that he could bring SmackDown along with AJ Styles holding it down, holding it down as the champ. You know, he had a great match tonight against Almas, who put up a hell of a fight. You know, you got Daniel Bryant back. If Randy Orton is this guy, he brings another element to SmackDown that SmackDown hasn't had in a while. That vicious, ruthless heel that can completely help elevate guys and help baby faces want to go after that guy and kick his ass. That's the type of... That's how Randy was in 07, 08 when he was the champion, you know, when he was that ruthless viper. That's the guy that I just saw tonight, and it was great to see. So I hope that WWE doesn't botch it. I hope Randy Orton has some sort of control over how this, you know, type of Orton goes. Because if anybody knows how to make, you know, that Randy Orton work, it's him. So I hope WWE does the right thing. I hope Triple H steps in and says, you know what? Hey, Randy's been this guy before. He knows how to get him, get it over and make it work. If you can get that Randy that consistently, week in and week out, changes everything. Changes everything. That Randy Orton against AJ Styles for the WWE Championship at Hell in a Cell would be amazing. That Randy Orton against... It's not going to be against AJ Styles at SummerSlam because he's too busy focusing on beating the living tar out of Jeff Hardy. But that Randy Orton chasing AJ Styles or whoever the, the WWE champion is at the time, who's a babyface, shoot, I would like to see Daniel Bryan versus that Randy Orton again. Not the cowardly Randy Orton, the, this Randy Orton. The one we just saw at the end of SmackDown. That's the Randy Orton I would want Daniel Bryan to fight once he's done with The Miz. And apparently it is confirmed Daniel Bryan has resigned with WWE. It's apparently a two- to a three-year contract. So Daniel Bryan's back in the fold. This Randy Orton brings a lot of options to elevate SmackDown Live. And I can't wait to see in the, you know, in the weeks and the months to come exactly what they do with him. Because I'll tell you this, by the end of the year, I think SmackDown's already the best show, you know, in my opinion. I think Raw's got a great plethora of talent but so does Smackdown Smackdown maybe doesn't have the deep talent that Raw has but what Smackdown does have is experience on their side with a 37 year old Randy Orton with a John Cena who's a free agent you know AJ Styles who's been in the business for years and has been in WWE for shoot I think he's approaching his I think it'll be his third or fourth year um, and then you have a nice little mixture of talent coming up there. I mean, look, you got the New Day in there. Kofi's been there for over a decade. Big E's been there for about five, six years. Um, you got The Miz, who's been there for over a decade. So SmackDown may not have the depth that, say, a Raw has, 
But what SmackDown does have is great experience, and they know how to put on a great show. And you got to give credit to the writers who, you know, over there, creative there. But you also got to give it up to the guys who's been there and done that. They have a better tag team scene than Raw. No disrespect to the B team. No disrespect to the, to the deleter of worlds or the authors of pain. But over on SmackDown, you got an up-and-coming group in Sanity. You have New Day, who's, who are the four-time you know, tag team champions. You have the Usos. You have the champions, our champions, Harper and Rowan. And you have, you know, potentially other, you know, guys coming over that will make this tag team even better, you know, at some point in time. But as of right now, SmackDown to me has the better heavyweight champion. They have the better tag team championships. The one thing Raw does have that SmackDown doesn't, and that is the prestigious Intercontinental Championship. And what Raw's doing over there to elevate that title is absolutely perfect. It's absolutely amazing. To see how <clears throat> they let that pay, let that Intercontinental title, you know, headline and be the main event for Extreme Rules, you know, the IC title, that's the first time it's been the main event. The last match on a card since 92 in Wembley Stadium, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog tore the roof down. 92,000 people in Wembley Stadium. Raw has the ability to make that show be the best. With all that talent they have, if they can just get that universal title off Brock Lesnar and back towards defending every week, depending on who you put as the champion, you know, give it some time, you could elevate that title to be just as close, you know, be like how the WWE title is. The one disappointment I have with the the WWE title and I blame you know whoever makes the decisions on what's the main event AJ Styles should be main eventing the shows he's the WWE champion that's the namesake of your company and you're putting that title in a match that's like third to the last or second to the last I don't remember the last time when AJ was the last match on a card when was the last time because I don't know and if I don't know that, that tells me that the WWE title is not being, you know, at the forefront. And AJ is carrying the company. He's the face of the company, in my opinion. It's not Brock. It's not Roman. It's not, the, it's not those guys. It's AJ Styles. This boy's here defending it, you know, every pay-per-view. It's on TV week in and week out. He's making that. He's built that title. He's made it back to being relevant. Especially after Jinder Mahal had it. And no and no disrespect to Jinder Mahal, but I understand why you wanted, you know, SmackDown. It's the land of opportunity, and I get why you did that, and you brought Jinder Mahal from pretty much worst to first. But, a- but AJ Styles having the championship since last October has been the best move WWE's made. Because right now we're, you know, we just passed Extreme Rules. And guess what? SummerSlam is now, is what, August 19th? It's a week after my birthday. AJ's scheduled to defend the WWE Championship there. If he gets past that, that'll be, he'll be passing the 10-month mark in this title reign. 
And I don't think that, and I don't think you should take the title off him at all anytime soon. Because who do you have outside of Daniel Bryant? I think Daniel Bryant should should be your next champion, or at least, you know, be the next champion within a year. I mean, you could give it to the Miz. You could give it to Samoa Joe. The Miz is one of the best heels, you know, heels on TV right now. He knows how to get heat. He's masterful on the mic. He knows how to, you know, get people riled up and pissed off and, you know, things like that. This boy can talk. AJ Styles being your WWE champion right now is what's best for business. The SmackDown Live's ratings are a hell of a lot better than Raw's. And you also have to look. I like what Raw... There's another thing that I like that Raw's doing. They're featuring Drew McIntyre. You know, the guy who just came back to the company. And they're featuring him. You know, they're putting him in prominent positions. Yeah, granted, he's with Dolph, Dolph Ziggler, but... He was in that triple threat match last night. And the first one, it was him, Balor, and, and Reigns. And he looked every bit the equal of Roman Reigns and Finn Balor. Drew McIntyre is a future universal champion as long as WWE doesn't blow that either. Drew McIntyre, I you know, I feel like should have won that match last night. I don't think Roman should have won, but I get what they're going with story here. Because at the end of the day, Braun Strowman's cashing in the money in the bank. So it doesn't matter how this turns out. If it turns into a triple threat, if it turns into just Roman versus Brock or Bobby versus, you know, Brock, my feeling and my gut feeling is is that Braun Strowman's cashing in. So I'm going to throw a hypothetical here. What if Brock shows up next week and screws over Lashley and, and Reigns? What if one of those guys gets their hands on Brock Lesnar and whoops his little butt enough that Braun Strowman walks out there, cashes in his money in the bank briefcase? Last night, WWE missed a prominent opportunity. Why have Brock Lesnar drop the title at SummerSlam? So what, you want to give us, what, four more weeks of bad ratings until you're like, all right, we got the title off of him now. You had the opportunity to switch that last night and bring those ratings up. I don't know what the ratings were last night. I'm still looking to find out. And next time I podcast, I will exactly tell you guys what the ratings are. But I have a feeling it's not good because a lot of people were booing the hell out of Roman Reigns. Everything was so predictable last night. Everyone knew Roman was winning that match, even though, you know, I was praying hard that it was going to be Finn or Drew McIntyre to win that match. But it wasn't. It was Roman. And everyone knew that Bobby Lashley was beating Elias and Seth Rollins in the second triple threat. We all knew that it was going to be Lashley and Reigns in a rematch. If WWE does the unthinkable and puts Roman Reigns in that spot, then that win by Bobby Lashley at Extreme Rules means absolutely nothing. Then why have him win? You want to send a statement? Bobby Lashley wins next week. That's the statement you send. You want to make fresh matches? Nobody wants to see Roman and Brock for the umpteenth time. We want fresh. Bobby Lashley's fresh. Put him in that spot. He deserves it. That's where he needs to be. 
And then at the end of the day, Braun Strowman, if they decide to wait until SummerSlam to cash in the title, then boom. Then he takes the title off whoever wins. But Roman does not need to be in that spot. I do not want to see that match for an umpteenth time. And even if you make it a triple threat match, I'm not sure how I would feel about seeing Roman Reigns in that spot. Roman needs, look, yes, he won the Intercontinental Championship, held it for barely six weeks. Then he won the U.S. Championship too, and he barely held that for six weeks. You can put Roman in, you know, in other prominent spots. Back him off the title picture. And I know what people are going to say, but he was out of the title picture when he was the Intercontinental Champion and the U.S. Champion. That was because he was shoved down our throats to the point that, I mean, look, he still is. But WWE finally sat back and said, you know what? Maybe if we put Roman Reigns in the, you know, in the mid-card for several weeks, that'll change the fans' minds because that'll tell us right there. You know, that'll, that'll tell us that we listened to them and we wanted Roman Reigns back off. Now, you think putting him in there for five to six weeks, what? No. You really want to make a statement? You keep him away from that championship for over a year. You back him off that for a year. You let him, you know, why? I mean, listen, John Cena had to come up. Roman Reigns, you thrusted him, you thrusted Roman Reigns so fast into the main event scene, like a rocket taking off, you know, up into outer space. That is how quick Roman Reigns is in that main event scene as soon as the, the shield split. John Cena came up from the bottom. And I'm tired of hear, seeing and hearing that Roman's better than John. No, he's not. John paid his dues. What dues did Roman pay? The second they came in the WWE's the Shield, they were in prominent positions already. They were undefeated for a long time. They were in main event storylines with the authority. They were battling teams in main event scenes. Evolution reformed, battled them for a couple pay-per-views, and annihilated them. Dean Ambrose, yes, I'll give Ambrose credit. He was the U.S. champion. He held that title for over 10 months, barely defended the title, but they at least put him, I mean, they had the U.S. title on him, but yet they were still featuring them in main event scenes, and I kind of understand that because it elevates the U.S. title a bit. But what dues did they actually pay yeah, they were down in NXT, but is that really paying your dues? NXT's a hell of a show, and there's a lot of people who would probably love to be there, who would love to go back just you know, just because. Cena paid his dues, came up from the bottom, came into the mid-card, was U.S. champion, I believe, two or three times in the mid-card. Then he became WWE champion. And yes, was he in the title scene a lot? Yes, he was. But I'm okay with that because he at least paid his dues. I don't think Roman has, you know, in my opinion. And apparently neither does the WWE Universe because they keep rejecting him with whatever you do. It's almost, it's almost like a child rebelling against its parents. Say Vince McMahon is the parents of the of the WWE universe, and Vince says, "Like him, damn it," and the crowd's gonna say, 
No. Then you continue to tune up the pressure if you're Vince McMahon telling your kids, like, you know, you're going to like him. Yeah, we're going to keep putting him on here. And damn it, you're going to like him. What are they going to say to you? They're going to look at you and go, no. And no matter what you do, the more you ramp up the pressure, the more you force it, they're going to tell you no. And that's exactly what they're doing. I wish they wouldn't make a response. I wish they wouldn't make a peep. Because you know what? To me, if you're silent when he comes out, that sends more waves. That sends more of a message. Because the more he gets a reaction, the more WWE is going to be enti- you know, enticed to do it. You know, you're egging WWE on to want to shove Roman Reigns more. And I don't have anything against, you know, Roman's a good worker. I do have something personal against him. I've already talked about that. I'm not going to you know, delve into that right now. But Roman Reigns, you're, when are you going to wake up and get it? Stop shoving them down our throats. Now people are now people are complaining. Oh, is WWE shoving Braun Strowman down our throat? Look, Braun Strowman wasn't thrusted into the main event scene from the start when he left the Wyatt family. They put him on Raw in a bunch of squash matches. The boy didn't even, you know, he wasn't. He was very green when he was doing those squash matches. And then after that, they moved him on and they brought him up and they brought Big Show down to the mid card and he worked with Kane, I, I believe, and he worked with Big Show and. You slowly started to see the evolution of Braun Strowman. Where was the evolution of Roman Reigns? In the shield? As what? Their muscle? Listen, people are going to say, well, he elevated in the main event scene, blah, 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 blah. Listen, guys like Bret Hart, who became, you know, who, be, you know, who did, were the best in the world, I've had to move up through the mid-card. Bret Hart was a tag team with Jim and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. And I want to send my thoughts and prayers out to the Anvil right now who's battling some health problems. Prayers are out to you. But Bret Hart came from a tag team. Came up, and he came up through the mid-card before he became champion. Shawn Michaels, same way. Came from a tag team. Came up through the mid-card, and then he became champion. WWE did the reverse here. They put Roman Reigns as champion first. Then they move him down to the mid-card, and they do this reverse psychology stuff thinking, oh, well, we usually bring people up through the mid-card before we put them up in the main event scene to be champions. Let's see what happens if we do this. Maybe if we reverse it a little bit, maybe the crowd will get behind him. No. That backfired badly. Is Roman Reigns polarizing? Yes. Does he get a reaction? Yes. Do I think you guys have gone the wrong way about it? I do. Roman Reigns does not need to be in the title picture. Finn Balor, who never lost his championship, should be in the main event scene. Bobby Lashley should be in the main event scene. Those guys, Braun Strowman, he will be your universal champion at the end of SummerSlam. Elias, he will make a good Intercontinental Champion. I think he needs to be IC Champion, work his way up through the mid-card, even though he's really over with the crowd right now. 
He needs to be IC champion, work his way up. He's going to be a great, you know, world champion someday. I get the wrestling business has changed and it's not the same. But you still, but you still do things in, in the wrestling business that you still think, oh, wow, that was done in the 90s. You need to go back to bringing people up. I mean, you did it with Braun Strowman. You did that. You brought him, you started him from the bottom, and now look where he is. So obviously, you still know to do it. That should have happened with Roman Reigns, and, that, and now that it has it, I don't know what you do to change it. I'm starting to waver off the fact turning him heel would be the best thing. I think the crowd would still reject him here at this point. I believe if you would have turned him heel during the John Cena feud, we would be, ha- we would be dealing with a whole new narrative. Roman Reigns would be over, and I believe that if you would have done that, turned him heel in the Cena rivalry, and right now, in my personal opinion, I think you could have won the crowd over. But now I'm not so sure. I mean, yeah, you saw things of a heel, you know, of a heel turn against the match with Lashley, you know, not breaking the refs, you know, during the count. But I know this, you're running out of time. And if you don't turn him heel soon, I don't think there's going to be a time that you can to try to get that crowd to win him over. Because you're going to piss off the crowd to the point that a heel turn's not going to matter. If you continue to rebel... And, and not listening to your fans, then a heel turn's not going to matter. Because at some point, they're going to go, you know what, we've been sitting here saying we need a heel turn, and it's not happening. You know, we give up. So, I mean, I, I don't know what other advice I could give. The heel turn's the best option, but you're running out of time with that. I'm not sure what else. I'm not sure what else to say about that. Okay, guys. Now I'm really wrapping up here at the 30 minute mark. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll be back to let you know. You know, I've been thinking about SummerSlam and the way I think it's going to go and the predictions. And I gave you guys three matches, and one of them's already been confirmed that Ronda Rousey will get her shot at the Raw Women's Championship against Alexa Bliss. That's confirmed. I probably need to see another week of Raw to see where I think this is going. I can give you guys maybe two more matches. And I'll start with what I think for sure is going to happen. Seth Rollins will fight Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. And I believe it's going to be some sort of gimmick stipulation matchup. That's going to have Drew Galloway. Galloway. I'm sorry, McIntyre from ringside. Because I think Drew McIntyre is going to fight Finn Balor. Um, I think Finn Balor is going to say, you know what, Drew, you cost me. I want you at SummerSlam. I think Drew versus Finn will be one match. I'm going to, I'm going to go with a triple threat match for the universal title. I think it's going to be Brock and against Roman and Bobby. I'm really hoping that it's going to be a one-on-one match between Brock and Bobby. I don't think that's how it's going to go. Unfortunately, I think Brock shows up and costs both of them. The next one, next one's a little tough. So I've already given you three. Um, Ziggler versus Rollins, McIntyre versus Finn. The universal title 
that one, so that's three. And Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss, that's confirmed. So that's four. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to SmackDown here. I think The Miz and Daniel Bryan are fighting at Smack are, are fighting at SummerSlam. I think the evolution of that story there's no better place to do it. You're not going to try to stretch this out to Mania, which I wish would happen. If you didn't start it now and you started it up say, you know, later in the summer, you know, maybe September, October or shoot even October in the in November, you start the feud then, you can make it work to SummerSlam. Or I'm sorry, to WrestleMania. But I believe we're going to have that match here. Now that he's re-signed at SummerSlam, The Miz versus Daniel Bryant. And I think Daniel Bryant's going to win that match and move on to go into the main event scene. And I personally believe by WrestleMania next year, Daniel Bryant's the WWE champion. Or he'll be fighting for the WWE championship against whoever the champion may be. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's five matches right there. That's all I can think of at this point in time. I need to think about the SmackDown Women's Championship, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I have to think about those matches and even the U.S. title. I mean, what's going on with Nakamura? Oh, oh, Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton will happen at SummerSlam. That's my sixth match. That's my, that's my prediction. After what happened tonight, that's inevitable. That's happening at SummerSlam, the biggest part of the summer. So I still need to figure out what's going to happen with Nakamura and the U.S. Championship, SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I do have a feeling that New Day Insanity is going to fight at SummerSlam. So that's seven. And so let me think about two to three more matches. Maybe four more matches. Two on each side. And when I come back, I'll come back Thursday. We'll talk about this on Thursday. I will have the remainder of my SummerSlam predictions and cards. For what's going to happen. So we'll break this down again. I I think it's a triple threat match for the Universal title. Brock versus Lashley and Reigns. I think it's Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. IC title, it's two. Um, We already have the Raw Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss and Ronda Rousey. That's confirmed, so that's three. Um, I think Drew McIntyre and Finn Balor, that's going to happen. That's four. Um, The Miz versus Daniel Bryant, I believe, will happen at SummerSlam, so that's five. Um, Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. That's six. I think I had one more. I think AJ Styles is defending against Samoa Joe. So let me think about two more matches on each side, and I'll come back Thursday. And we'll reveal my SummerSlam card and predictions where I will pick who's going to win and everything at the big, biggest party of the summer. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you guys on, eh, we'll say Thursday. All right, guys. Have a good night.